I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Shut your raggedy ass up and sit the fuck Hey, you're listening to Nine Four, a filmography podcast, uh, with me, Becca, and my co-host. Hey, this is Bob Shoy. So this episode is my choice. Chose it a couple of weeks ago, um, and we're a couple of months ago. Yeah, we're talking about Pam Greer. Yes, mm-hmm. this was a surprise choice. Yeah. But why did you choose Pam Greer? So I think I explained this like a little bit briefly when I chose her um, a couple of episodes ago. But um, I just loved her and Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. Like we're big Tarantino fans anyway. And we've done a um, forum on more Tarantino and kind of gushed about Jackie Brown in that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like what really like drew me to Pam. Um, I think she's really great in that role. And I uh, just wanted to find out more about her, like what, like I'd never seen any other movies that she'd been in. So I was just really, this was like an exploration. I was just like intrigued into a like kind of back catalogue. So, um, so yeah, that's basically why I chose her. Hmm. Just to see some more. Yeah. And we haven't quite watched all of them yet that we're going to. We're like halfway. Uh, we normally record these, these podcasts in two halves. So we'll, we'll talk about where we got up to mm-hmm. so far. In this episode, but um, how have you found it so far? Interesting. Because we've delved in a few genres that you haven't delved into before. Yeah. So her, like, initially, like, her name for was a kind of, like, peppered throughout her career. They're not, like, a a distinct, um, like, time. Um, Well, hang on a second, though, because what I found weird about her known for's yeah. Is that they are from like later in her career. Yeah. Rather than focusing on the era that she's most famous for. Yeah. So she's like most well known for her black exploitation movies, which like appear kind of really earlier on in her career. Yeah. That's kind that's of how a, she starts out. It's a 70s genre. So um, for those who are unfamiliar with like those genres, um, I'm going to do. I was going to try and sort of like put together a little like briefing mm. on the genre because it's kind of a weird, uh, com- complicated genre to talk about and complicated mm. time in cinema. Yeah. Because it is exploitative, mm-hmm. hence exploitation film. But it also, it, it did give like a, a lot platform. of like black actors starring roles that they weren't getting elsewhere. Yeah. So it's kind of like, but then the roles they were getting were very like stereotypical, like he's the pimp, he's the criminal. Like. Yeah. So it's but kind then, of troubled and not, it's really weird. But then like black audiences love these films. And then there's and a then, lot of like, um, 
kind of, uh, I'm going to say cliched role reversal. Yes. Um, this is a massively sweeping statement, but, you know, a lot of films display like black people as, you know, um, like thuggish or they're kind of like the other side of the law. But then this kind of the role reversal well, in, in this these, is kind of it like. It was the, always like. It was like the black guys are the heroes, the yeah. white guys are the villains. Yeah, yeah. And if the white guys are the cops, the cops are dirty and stuff like that. Yeah. So even if the black guy is the criminal and the white guy is the cop, in these films it'd be like the cops actually the bad guy. Yeah. So you're on the side. They're 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 kind of complicated to talk about. And also before that, she was in women in prison movies. Yeah. Uh, or WIP movies, which are another genre within the exploitation film category. Mm. So. What I've rather than just try and put together some ham-fisted description for myself, what I've just I've just got a few choice paragraphs from everyone's favorite thing to hear on a podcast, Wikipedia entries, but they just really sum up in a way which is easier uh, to get your head around. Like, so more eloquent. Yeah, exploitation cinema. Exploitation film is a film that attempts to succeed financially by exploiting current trends, niche genres, or lurid content. And there's a lot of lurid content in these mm. films. It's a lot of nudity, violence, mm-hmm. shocking. Uh, like Especially watching in today's day and age, some of the, the language is yeah. kind of shocking to hear and not not comfortable as a viewer for me to like witness and hear some of the stuff in these but it's an interesting history lesson it's like yeah a slice of that kind of era yeah so exploitation films are generally low quality b movies uh, they sometimes attract critical attention and cult followings um and they, they they these break down into like so many categories like we said black exploitation and uh, women in prison films but there's mm. also you know biker films was another genre which is a whole other thing and cannibal films there was these weird oh niche God. genres was that... this like specifically a very 70s thing yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah big time Mm. Um, and so the first thing that, that Pam got started in is the WIP films or women in prison films yeah uh, which were really popular in the 70s and uh, they usually contain nudity lesbianism sexual assault humiliation sadism and rebellion among captive women yeah so we watched a few of these yeah um, and they're kind of uncomfortable to watch yeah now. I mean on one part of me is like yay like go women they're like kind of like quite feminist they're like anti-establishment and they're kind of like badass and like you know shooting people kicking butt and then on the other hand i'm just like oh god they still like, the so yeah, yeah like they so, still do they do i don't know who they're trying to appeal to because there's titillation for male viewers and then like you go girl yeah for female viewers. it's a really bizarre watch yeah it's kind of hard to say you should watch this, like, but it, it, it's it's really difficult to talk about because it's mm. so mixed in yeah. its message. It feels like watching it, you just feel a bit um, confused in the sense of like, yeah, like you can't just, you can't place like the feel of the mm. film. Like it, It's trying like to have its cake and eat it. It's trying to be badass yeah. for women, but really it's main audience that's trying to appeal to is men who are there for, oh, it's, you know, women on women um, action and, you know, extended shower scenes with nudity. Yeah, but that's all there is. Like, there's no, like, okay, we haven't watched all of them yet, but, like, the early ones, there's no, Mm. like, it's everything's just, like, suggested. It's not even, I wouldn't even call it, like, like soft porn because it's just, like, boobs. They were considered, like, pornography. Really? In the era, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll read a little bit from again from the Wikipedia for women in prison genre. Um, 
The Women in Prison film, or WIP film, is a subgenre of exploitation film, began in the early 1900s and continues to the present day. Uh, the stories feature imprisoned women who are subjected to sexual and physical abuse, typically by sadistic male or female prison wardens, guards, and other inmates. The genre also features many films in which imprisoned women engage in lesbian sex. WIP films are works of fiction intended as pornography. So there you go, pornography. Mm. Uh, the films of this genre include a mixture of erotic adventures of the women in prison. The flexible format and the loosening of film censorship laws in the 1960s allowed filmmakers to depict more extreme fetishes such as voyeurism, such as strip searches, group shower scenes, cat fights. That's we've been talking about. A lot of scenes right, of women yeah. rolling around in the mud fighting each other, and yeah. isn't there? Uh, sexual fantasies such as... Um, and they're, they're obviously the trigger warnings on this on this episode of the podcast. Maybe uh, sexual fantasies such as lesbianism, rape, sexual slavery, like these are not good things. Um, fetishism such as bondage, whipping, degradation, and sadism such as beatings, torture, and cruelty. So these are really a product of the time they were made in. But I don't. Having said that, okay, so all of those are pretty like kind of uh, not great things to depict. Um, but having said that, I'm thinking of a few films that we watched that displayed those. They're really not that like hardcore. No, because like, the films are made so badly. Things. Yeah, it's all those things, but in a like a campy, tongue-in-cheek way. In a like, oh, we're gonna torture you, and you, you can just tell it's like effectively ketchup or whatever, like yeah. in the blood. But, and the blood's so like fake or whatever, and the effects are really not. Um, or super low budget, super low budget. So it's really weird. It's like you've got this on one hand, like lots of like shower scenes where women have their like breasts out walking around, mm. and then a lot of scenes where they're like someone gets shot or like whipped or like attacked or something like stabbed, and it's like oh no, like that's <laughs> oh no, uh, like that's a really kind of like graphic scene, but mm. because the effects are so it's kind of so unbelievable and it's really not that graphic yeah and but the thing the thing i found maybe most uncomfortable is that um the fact that it is so light-hearted and tongue-in-cheek kind of in some ways trivializes some mm. of the more serious stuff right. so it says like there's sexual assault scenes in these and they're done in an almost like jokey way and that really i felt was jarring there's that was one the... film that would get to it when we cross the bridge but like one film where i was just like oh for fuck's sake like some of it I think every single one of these early films, there was something in it that I was like, "Ooh, this is this." Yeah. Certain lines of dialogue, yeah, which yeah. I don't even feel comfortable repeating, to be honest. Like they were so just the tone deaf, mm. I guess. But like, I guess the, the whole intention is they're trying to be shocking. It's really hard, isn't it, to objectively look at these films? Like, mm. what is it like? Nearly fifty years later. Yeah. Um, and kind of, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt and the context. Kind it's of, hard but, to just analyze it as a film and how much we enjoyed it because it really is a time and a place thing. And now, yeah. I couldn't, I can't say I enjoyed watching a big, big birdcage or big dollhouse or yeah. something because they did make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and maybe that's because I'm a soft lefty or whatever. But, mm. but it, it's still. But, but then you've got to judge it on its own merits. And for mm. the time, like we said, the good parts of it is that it was giving major roles to women, black people. Yeah. But then I'm just thinking of like the, in comparison, like a lot of um, the Westerns and stuff that we watched mm. were like displayed like horrible oh, shit. Oh yeah, torture and, you kind and of, th they implied like sexual assault. Yeah, exactly. Like a lot stuff. of them are just like, yeah. oh, this village got like raped and pillaged or whatever. Mm. 
And I didn't feel as uncomfortable watching that because I know it's kind of, um, because it is like fictional. Mm. But then these films are still fictional, but then it, you, I just feel uncomfortable. I don't know. It's really weird. So the, the so what we're trying to say is these are, some of these genres can be seen as problematic and it is where she got her big break. And it's what she's, in my opinion, should be most known for, even though these aren't amongst her known for. Yeah. Um, and so if we're going to, we're not sort of in this episode going to say, you know, this is good, this is bad, this is worth that. We're just going to say our opinion of watching it yeah. in this day and age and what we thought of it. Yeah. Um, and that's what it is. That's the best we can do. But after the woman, so she only did like two or three of these women in prison films. Yeah. Um, and then she moved into the black exploitation cinema mm-hmm. movement that was happening. Uh, so I'll just give the quick log line of that as well. So black exploitation uh, is an ethnic subgenre of the exploitation film that emerged in the United States in the early 1970s. The films, while popular, suffered backlash for disproportionate numbers of stereotypical film characters showing bad or questionable motives, including most roles as criminals resisting arrest. However, the genre does rank among the first in which black characters and communities are the heroes and subjects of film and television, rather than sidekicks, villains, or victims of brutality. Uh, The genre's inception coincides with the rethinking of race relations in the 1970s. So that's kind of what we were saying at the beginning, like... Mm. There's the good elements of this and yeah. the bad elements of this, and they kind of is a mess in yeah. the middle somewhere. Um, but anyway, the it carries on to say black exploitation films were originally aimed at an urban African American audience, but the genre's audience appeal soon broadened across racial and ethnic lines. Hollywood realized the potential profit of expanding the audiences of black exploitation films across those racial lines, so they were intended uh, for, for a black audience, showing yeah. heroic black characters, albeit stereotypical. Mm. But because some of these films are good fun, yeah. even though they're low budget, they're good fun cinema, they attracted more than their intended audience and actually became like a big genre in their mm. own right. Yeah. So again, good and bad. Like yeah, it yeah. is a real mix. So do you want to talk about um, her name for some? Um, let's just quickly just add, we've spent so much time talking about the films the genres that mm. that she's in rather than talking about her. So we'll just talk about her mm-hmm. a little bit before then we'll go into like her known force and stuff. Yeah. Um, so as an actor, mm-hmm. what do you associate with Pam? Now, well, we have not seen her whole back catalogue yet. Um, from what I've seen, kind of like a no-nonsense kind of leader. Yeah. You kind of said like, as much as you've enjoyed some of these films, you said this to me the other day, there's not that much variety yeah, necessarily. Um, and my kind of response to that was like, I think if you're casting Pam Greer, yeah. you want Pam Greer to be Pam Greer. Yeah. You want like sassy, badass, strong black woman yeah. showing up, kicking ass, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that is the persona that she kind of personifies. Yeah, and they're the roles that she does best in. Yeah. Although there are some like deviations from that stereotype. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed her in. The majority. And kind of wish she got more roles, like yeah. more, some more fun roles where she got to be more fun. Yeah. Uh, not saying that like coffee and stuff isn't fun. Like those films are fun. Yeah. Yeah, so like a lot of people kind of, I guess everyone associates her with than what we've just said, mm. and that's why I associate with um interesting thing about Pam Greer. Mm. In 1986, she was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, wow. And she was given 18 months to live. Holy shit. But she's still with us at the time of the recording. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, she's still, like, kicking. That's amazing. So that is kind of amazing, yeah. Did she fight it? 
Like she said it changed. She changed her lifestyle. But right. like she was still only given 18 months to live. That's mad. So yeah. Wow. That's good for her. Kind of amazing. Yeah. So what are her current known for?s So we touched on Jackie Brown already. Yes. Uh, Above the Law. Mm-hmm. Ghosts of Mars. Yeah. And Mars Attacks. Yeah. And I guess we'll go through them for, first of all, like we yeah. always do. But um, I will say off the bat, these are not what we're going to end up with. No. But let's start with the big one. Let's start right. with Jackie Brown. Which is the whole reason you chose Pam just as an excuse to rewatch Jackie Brown, which yeah. I'm always up for. It's so. an amazing film, um, and an incredible cast, and I so far I think one of her biggest roles. I think uh, it's her most seen. famous role. Yeah. Even though it's she was cast as a homage to her 70s characters. Yeah. This sort of like outdid them because it was that with, you know, a bigger budget. Yeah. Um, a director at the like, top of his game. Mm. And it made a modern version of those films, like the kick-ass woman mm-hmm. fighting against the villain. Yeah. And it became her best role. I think everyone would say it's her yeah. best role. And it's... So basically, yeah. Jackie Brown is like a middle-aged woman who works for an airline. Mm-hmm. And she kind of gets embroiled in some shady stuff. Well, she she brings money in and she's out like, of Yeah, she's like a money lawyer. a uh, gun runner. Yeah. Basically. And then um, she kind of is like kind of a triple, she kind of like triple crosses like it's a couple all, of people. Yeah, it's all like her basically manipulating yeah. king shit over everyone else. Like yeah. you, they, they, everyone thinks they're using her in different ways, yeah. but she's just using everyone and she's way more savvy than everyone yeah. thinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a kind of romance that blossoms between her and the bail bondsman yeah. uh, played by Robert Forster. It's amazing. Like, it's such a good film. Like, the soundtrack, um, I've got to say, quite a lot of these films' soundtrack is, like, well, pretty awesome. interestingly, like, when we watched this, um, after we started with this. We're like, okay, let's rewatch Jackie Brown and then visit yeah. her older ones. When we watched a lot of her older 70s ones, it was like Tarantino just, like, picked his favourite songs from those. Yeah. Because we watched a lot of her 70s films and we were like, oh, this song's in Jackie Brown. Yeah, it was, like, definitely a nod. Like, Tarantino yeah. has been quite on the nose with that. Um and it just so happens all the songs are like awesome. And Tarantino's always very good uh, uh, soundtracks and stuff. Yeah. Um, a lot of that comes from his encyclopedic knowledge of cinema and him yeah. growing up in this era. Like he was a big fan of like the 70s mm. exploitation, exploitation film genres and stuff. Mm. So he he's just like, hey, what, what songs did I love? Like, yeah. the, for example, like the character Jackie Brown was named because of Foxy Brown. Yeah. Because the, the, this is the only Tarantino film that's actually based on existing works. He, he mm. didn't write, he wrote the script, obviously, but he right. didn't. The story is a book okay, uh, called Rum Punch. Mm-hmm. And in that book, the main character is called Jackie, uh, Jackie Burke. 
Right. But he wanted to rename it to Jackie Brown because he wanted to like cast Pam and have it as Foxy Brown. Yeah. Because this, he what he did this film with intention to cast Pam Grier. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to cast older actors who didn't get as much work yeah. that he had grown up with and was a big fan with and wanted to give him a spotlight role. Mm-hmm. So that's why you've got um, Pam Grier and Robert Forster mm-hmm. in the main roles. Uh, and Sam Jackson, uh, he's in it as well. Yeah, well, Sam Jackson's always in the Tar- in Tarantino yeah. roles. So in terms of like her personality on this, in, on this I think it kind of like epitomises her like badassery mm. and just like her savviness um, and the way that she kind of assesses the situation and kind of takes advantage of it, um, which we see in a couple of films, but I think this really, yeah, does does that um, part of her character like justice. What the hell's wrong with you, Jackie? Shut the fuck up and don't you move. Oh, what is this? What the fuck is hey, this, hey, huh? Hey, 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 now that ain't got nothing to do with you. I carry that all the time. You've been talking to them police too much. Oh, the police didn't try and strangle my ass. Oh, come on, girl. You know I was just playing with oh, you. Oh, I ain't playing with you. I'm going to unload both of these motherfuckers if you don't do what I tell you to do. You understand what I'm saying? Jackie, stop acting crazy. Do you understand what the fuck I'm yeah, saying? woman, damn. Now sit your ass down on that sofa. See? See? Police start fucking with your mind. They start pitting black against black. That's how they do. You know, been doing it since the beginning. Shut your raggedy ass up and sit the fuck down. <sighs> One of the only films so far that we haven't seen breasts in. Yeah, there's a lot of breasts in the films that she's <laughs> So maybe I think, maybe I prefer, not that I'm not a fan of breasts, but <laughs> I think that it doesn't distract from like Pam's um, kind of acting abilities. Yeah, she got a chance to like act in this film. Yeah. So what, what sort of got her on Tarantino's radar, other yeah. than being a huge fan of her 70s work, he actually has like a lot of posters of her 70s films up. Wow in his um, office or whatever. He's and a fanboy. He's a yeah, fanboy. Well, fanboy. He said that, um, I'm just trying to remember, I haven't got this in my notes, I just remember hearing this somewhere, like she visited him for the, to talk about the role. Yeah. And she went in and there's always posters of like Foxy Brown and coffee and stuff. Oh my God. And uh, she was like, oh, did you put these up? Because you know I was coming. Yeah. And he was like, no, I was actually going to take them down because I knew you were coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she had originally auditioned for Pulp Fiction. Okay. She had auditioned for a, for one of the roles in Pulp Fiction, a smaller role, and uh, she didn't end up getting it. But he had kept her in kind mind because he was like, "Oh, yeah. I want to work with Pam Grier. Right. I grew up loving her films, mm. and that was what made him sort of want to do this film and, and like, give, her, give her this leading role. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, and um, so someone that she has worked with so many times throughout her career pops up in like every film. Mm. Sid Haig. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't notice at the time but he's actually got a small role in this film oh really um he's the and when i when i sort of looked up i was like oh of course he's the judge that he has one scene where he's a judge and he he's the one that when she gets arrested sends her down and she wasn't told that sid haig was going to be in the film so that was kind of a surprise for her because they are they were in all the 70s films together and they're very good friends in real life I totally missed that, but I think it's because we watched this first. Yes, And, like, exactly. I didn't realise that he makes, like, multiple appearances. No, I didn't know. Um, oh, I'd love to see that scene again now, knowing that it's him. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and she didn't get an Oscar nom for this film, for this role. Wow. Which was a big shocker, and Tarantino himself was, like, really kind of upset because yeah. he almost was, like... But he famously gets snubbed. All his films get snubbed very often at the Oscars. Right. Uh, but he was like, I really wanted to give her a starring role and get her like some critical acclaim. Yeah. 
And Robert Forster actually got his one and only Oscar nomination for this film. Wow. He didn't win. Was it for supporting? Um, Must have been. Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I would say supporting, yeah. It's kind of everyone's, it's like she's the lead and everyone else is supporting in yeah. this film. But if there is a male lead, it would be him. So I can see it either way. Mm. He has a bigger role than Sam Jackson. Yeah. But yeah, he was kind of hoping that they would both get a nod and Robert Forster did, oh, but man. Pam didn't. Uh, but like you said, yeah, lots of music from old Pam films, um, especially Coffee. We watched Coffee mm. and that had a lot of tracks from this in yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and that had a really good soundtrack though, so I'm not surprised that Tarantino yeah, pulled Coffee's quite a lot of those. Soundtrack. Um, and also the song Long Time Woman is in this. Um, mm. So when she gets imprisoned early on in the film, that song plays, mm. uh, which was in uh, The Big Doll House, which I watched that you didn't, which was mm-hmm. her first film. But that song, I didn't know until I looked this up, is sung by Pam Greer. That, oh is, she, that was a song that she recorded and released as a singer. That's cool. Uh, you know, 99 years is a long, long, long time. That yeah. song, that's Pam Greer. That's cool. Uh, I'll put a clip of that song in now, so you'd have to listen to my version of it. Just saying. Oh my god, leave my version in as well. Well, ninety-nine years is a long, long, long time. Ninety-nine years is such a long, long, long time. Ninety-nine years is a long, long time. Well, look at me, I'll never be free. I'm a long time woman. Um, yeah, so that's that's Pam Greer, Long Time Woman, which was recorded and used in the song wow. The Big Dollhouse, and you know, Tarantino was like, that's going in there. Tarantino, he always does loads of little Easter eggs, doesn't he? Mm. There's always, he does his research, he's really good, and um, I think he just, obviously this film, like, obviously if he made it, like, with Pam in mind, it's just a, like massive homage to like yeah this is a love letter to all yeah. those 70s movies especially the ones that she was involved with so i love the vibe of it like the feel of the film yes it's got really good pacing um like all the music just like it's really kind of like badass and funky and mm. but it's got so much heart like there's so much like she's got quite a lot she's got nothing to lose and then she's also got a lot to lose like it's both like she's two sides just of like throwing point. everything into it like all yeah. or nothing I'm going yeah. all into this um, like she says I'm, I'm, I've hit a certain age I'm just like ready to just try something yeah. so um, yeah I'm, I just really love um, like admire her tenacity and just kind of like uh, I want to say that entrepreneurship but it's not really that it's kind of like her savviness yeah it's just her savviness and kind of her like tenacity I feel like this film is always considered like the underappreciated Tarantino film for years it was but I think in more recent years people have gone back and revisited it yeah because I think when it came out um everyone was Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs especially Pulp Fiction were such huge hits Mm. and a big surprise from this sort of unknown guy yeah but the pace of this is definitely slower yeah once once Pulp Fiction came out everyone was waiting for the new thing from Quentin Tarantino yeah and then when this was the follow-up, I think everyone was expecting, you know, Pop Fiction 2. Yeah. And this is really nothing like these other films. Yeah. And also because it's based off a book, maybe they mm. were just like, oh, this is like a bit. I think when it came out, a lot of people were disappointed by it. Right. The first time I saw it, I saw it on telly. I, I didn't know it as a Tarantino film. I just, it was on telly one night when I was a teenager. Right. And I just sort of flicked over and watched it. And I loved it like then. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I found out, oh, it's the same guy who did Pop Fiction. And then I, like, I, 
to just discover in cinema at that time and, and yeah. really like loved it. So I've always this this and Pulp Fiction were like the only two Tarantino mm. films I knew for a long time. I think the teenager. first time I watched it was when we watched it. Like must have been years ago, like early. Yeah, I remember. Like, the, you, you said you hadn't seen it before. Yeah, the first time we watched it. Yeah. Um, and I remember really liking it then as well. Mm. But you're right, definitely an underrated. Yeah, but I think a lot of people have, have revisited it in recent years, mm. and now it is like considered, you know, a great, great mm. Tarantino film. Anyway, let's move on. So that's going to probably is, that's going to be the most we we talk about any of these. Films, this is like think. the second time we've gushed about Jackie Brown. So if you want to hear us do it all over again, yeah. check out the Tarantino Forum one more. Well, that's a paid for episode, so you have to go to Bandcamp for that. Boom. Yeah, bobshoy.bandcamp.com. Oh, okay. Well, this is a little free slice. Yeah, yeah. Um, next is uh, Above the Law. Yeah. This is um, this was Steven Seagal's debut movie. Uh huh. What did you think of this one? I really liked it. Did you? Yeah, it was good fun. Um, so basically, uh, Pangria pay, uh, they're both like cops, and she's the partner yeah. of uh, Steven Seagal's character. She's definitely like this is not a big massive role for her. Like she's in it a fair bit. Um, it's one of them where he's such the lead and everyone yeah. else is... She's probably like the second character, but even that is sort of like yeah. he's the lead. So it's... But she, um, I really like this. It was just good fun. Like I'd not... Um, I'd not not really seen many Steven Seagal films, obviously. No, me neither. Um, so I don't know a lot about him, but um, yeah, he's... <laughs> Um, just one of those characters that can do it all. Oh, he can do everything in this um, film. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, like literally, no matter what, um, he is adept. He can do at kung fu. He can speak. He speaks like five or six different languages in yeah. this. He like does some like hot wiring. He does yeah. everything. Perfect shot. He's great. He's the model agent. Um, so yeah, basically. Um, yeah, they're just two cops in in Chicago. Yeah, it's a cop movie. This is about just a straight. It's just like about as much standard cop movie as you can get. Yeah. But um, I was sort of not looking forward to this, thinking, "Oh God, see yeah. the Seagal movie, cheesy sort of old cop movie." Right. But it was actually pretty fun. Yeah. Like it was a real like brains out. Watch a silly cop movie with yeah. a magic Feel good. guy who can yeah, do yeah. everything. And, and um, she was actually fun, like as the as the side character. This was one of the roles where she gets to be a bit more fun. Yeah, yeah. Because um, she was sort of, he was like the the sort of serious hard ass leader. Yeah. And then she's like the more fun sidekick. Yeah. Which I, I think she's actually pretty good at. Mm. Um, and she gets a lot of um, like hair and makeup in this one. Yeah, she has a different hairstyle in every scene, which is interesting. <laughs> I don't know if that shows which order they shot the scenes in, but it's like she's got a different wig on every scene. Yeah. Which is funny. Um, <laughs> but this was one of her personal favourite roles to play. Oh, really? Interestingly, cool. yeah. She said it was just really fun. Mm. Uh, it was like a real, more varied character. She said that she felt like at this time in her career, this was like one of the first chances she got to actually do a bit of actual acting rather mm-hmm. than just show up and be cool. Right, yeah. She got to be like lighthearted and then like serious and then there's a shootout and yeah. then she's hanging out with the family because she's good friends of him and his family. It's a lot more varied, yeah. Yeah, so this was one of her like most fun ones for her to play at the time. She really yeah. has like fond memories of this one. But yeah, like actually a surprisingly fun film, which I wasn't expecting to enjoy. Yeah, so definitely worth a watch. Yeah, um, I mean, it's not a masterpiece, but it, you can do worse. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, I, I'm talking to doing worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ghosts of Mars. <laughs> um, so we only watched this one the other night, and um, it's got 4.9 on IMDb. Why which, is this in her name for? Which is fairly generous. Um, 
It's like a little bit later in her career, so she's like a bit older. But it's 2001. Um, spoilers. She's only in half the film. Well, if that, she dies in like 20 minutes. Uh, so yeah, it's I mean, a bit of a downer. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about spoilers in a film like this. I don't understand why this is in her known for when yeah. it's a it's a terrible film. I, yeah. I know it's got its defenders, but it's for me, this is terrible. And she dies in like the first 20 minutes. Mm. So why is this in her known force? I don't know. Was it a massive film at the time? I'm not it's sure. It's a massive flop. I feel like, we said this though, didn't we, watching it, I feel like it was a lot more gory. Yeah. And they were really trying to do like a Mad Max They're vibe. They're trying to get it down to like a 15 rating. Yeah, but I think because it, they must have just like fucked it up. And they must have been like, oh God, how can we like salvage this? And yeah. then someone higher up was just like, okay, cut all that stuff. Let's just go for like footfall to recoup our money or whatever um, to like try and claw it back. It is like a human colony on Mars. Yeah. And there's an investigation going on. She's the captain of this like squad that's going in. Yeah. Um, and then there's ghosts on Mars that possess bodies and she gets her head put on a spike. But it's not even ghosts. It's just like a mist. Yeah, it's weird. Interestingly, so the most interesting thing about this film is that I don't know how factual this is. Like, this was originally pitched because this is a John Carpenter film, mm. and this is the film that made him like retire from cinema because he was like, no one got it. It was supposed to be over the top. It was supposed to be like a joke. Right. It's supposed to be so over the top. This is what I said to you at the time. Like, if it was supposed to be the most over the top thing you could think of, yeah, then it needed to have extreme like gore or something in. Because the fight scenes are very lacklustre. Well, that's what I think. Like, it got cut to... Like, a lot of it, I think, was left on the The dialogue's floor. bad, and the acting's bad, and the plot is bad. Mm. And it, if it really went... And the ideas are so extreme, and it hints at real, like, gross, extreme stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, bits that are, like... They're wearing dead people's Humans, faces yeah, exactly. and stuff. But it's they're, just like, piercing... Mentioned. They're still alive, and they've been possessed by these ghost things, and they're just, like clawing their faces off yeah piercing through their cheek with like big spikes or like filing down their teeth like gnawing off the end of their fingers and stuff but, you, but it's so reserved as yeah. well like, it hints at all that grossness if it really went for it and was just absolutely disgusting i think it would have done and i think lot, it would have worked yeah. i think people would have known that it's a joke also like the look of the possessed um like humans is really like goth it looks like Mad Max. Yeah, goth Mad Max but style. Yeah. It's like only only George Miller can thread the needle of making Mad Max things look cool. It looks like Marilyn Manson crossed with Mad Max. Um, but w what I was saying, before um, <laughs> we got distracted on that, is originally, apparently John Carpenter had planned for this to be the third part of the Escape trilogy. Right. So Escape from New York. Yep. Escape from LA. With Snake Plissken. Yeah, Escape from LA, which also has Pam Greer in it. Yeah. And this was supposed to be apparently... Escape from Mars. Right. And the character that Ice Cube plays in this, who they escaped from prison in it, is supposed to be Snake Plissken. Right. But the studio, after the big flop of Escape from LA, were like, no, 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 no more of that franchise. And it was re-sort of work to be this. Mm. If it was Snake Plissken and it was Escape from Mars and it ramped up the ridiculous, because that, that series is like kind of gritty in New York and then kind of ludicrous in LA and if it went to this extreme in the third yeah. part I think it would make more sense yeah and I think I would have enjoyed it more and I think um looking back I think there are some like fans of Snake Plissken like it's got a big cult following oh yeah 
So probably in the long run would have stood it in good stead. Yeah. And I think, yeah, having that character as like serious and like deadpan as he is going through all this yeah, like crazy shit, I think would have made funny. like it a bit more edgy and like yeah. understandable. And I think you would have, I think, cause I think uh, Escape from LA was a shock of how campy it would turn mm. and it kind of turned that series into a comedy. Mm. Um, we'll talk about that later on anyway. But I think, but Snake, you said being so serious and deadpan in that film is where the humour comes from. Mm. I think if you had a film as ridiculous as Ghost of Mars with that like deadpan delivery yeah. and it would have been actually quite funny. Yeah. And I think it would have worked. Yeah. Snake Plissken with like Mars alien, Mars ghosts. Yeah. That to me actually sounds fun. Yeah. Like he would have just been like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I think it would have been fun. Call me Plissken. Call me snake. Um, but exactly. yeah, that's goes to Mars. It wasn't good, and Pam Greer doesn't get any sort of anything to do in it. And Ice Cube dies straight it. away. Right. So. And the last one on her known fours. Mars attacks. Mars attacks. Byron, there's Martians everywhere. Hello. Byron. Byron. I can't hear you. Byron. Oh. First time you'd seen it, isn't it? Yeah. I'd seen this before. And at the time, I vowed to never watch it again, and then I did. Oh, it's terrible. Like, this it's has, so bad. This has a lot of defenders. People, there's a, This has a very big fan base. Maybe I just didn't get it? I don't get it. No. I don't get it. Um, to me, For me, this is when Tim Burton really shat the bed. <laughs> and I can't even remember what Pam Greer's character was in this. She really doesn't have a lot to do. No. But then, like, no one does really. Like, there's so many characters. That's the whole gimmick to the film. Right, yeah. There's, like, well, there are 22 main mm. characters. Yeah. Um, so, this one's coming off a list, isn't it? I would say the last two, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is basically just, like, there's an alien invasion from Mars on Earth, and it's kind of a loads it's, of silly caricatures and how people would react in the face of an yeah. alien invasion and it's done to be very campy the one thing this has got going for it yeah is the um invention of trolling somebody yeah <laughs> like the aliens just fucking troll it's just America. A, bunch of, a bunch of trolls Great. yeah it's like yeah we're friendly and then they just fucking yeah, start shooting. Yeah, that is the one thing I actually do kind of find funny every time that happens because it happens and, again and again. And yeah, the Americans like fall for it every single time. Yeah, and you got Jack Nicholson as the president and... And another character. And another character for some reason. Um, that has like literally no relevance. There's so many big names in this. So mm. many people are in this. Yeah, it's crazy. All in these tiny roles. Oh, Pierce Brosnan's Pierce in Brosnan it. Pierce Brosnan was and in Sarah it. And Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Jessica Parker. You had Natalie Portman, Jack Black... Oh my god! There's, there's so Danny many DeVito. People, Danny DeVito. So many people in this film. Tom Michael Jones. J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Tom Jones. Yeah. Natalie Portman. Uh, yeah. Amazing. So amazing cast. cast Glenn Close. Most, nearly all of the cast regret this film. Yeah. And they're kind of embarrassed by it. Um, so they didn't get it either. I I think they got it. It's just like I just hate I it. Just don't right. like it. And the, and the, the effects haven't aged well either. No, it's terrible. So Pam Greer uh, plays like a mother of two teenage boys who's trying to sort of keep it together. That's her character in amongst. She is like not the most interesting of the, all the crazy characters. Yeah. Her husband is away working at Las Vegas Casino, and he's trying to get back to her. While all this shit is going down. While that's it. Going down. And that's it. That's her small role. You just jump back. She to has like every now three and then. tiny scenes, like. 
maybe yeah cool. like at the beginning of the film she kind of has fun scenes you think oh she's gonna be a fun character and then she sort of disappears yeah because she's like a bus driver and she's got these two sort oh, yeah. of like troublemaking kids mm. that's it the the she is one of the only survivors by the end of the film right so there's, there's 22 main characters there's seven survivors by the end mm. one of them being her one interesting thing about this role Go on. she auditioned for this by not auditioning oh mysterious ask me how that works I don't know. Uh, so here we go. I got this. This is, this is uh, an IMDb trivia. Uh, Tim Burton called Pam Greer and asked her to fly to Los Angeles for an audition. Right. She said that she wanted to but couldn't because at the time her dog was terminally ill. Tim Burton called her back several times and eventually decided that Pam Greer had already auditioned by not leaving her dog since her character in the movie refuses to leave her son. <laughs> so by not going, he's like, yeah, okay, that, that's your audition. Wow. <laughs> Tim Burton. He amazes me every I kind time. of really want to do eventually a four on one more on Tim Burton. Mm. Just because I would I think it'd be quite interesting for us to do four on one more episodes eventually at some point of just things we're not that big a fan of. Because you've still got to pick the things you like the most. Yeah. Like we said, when we had someone suggest musicals, like neither of us mm. would be fans of musicals. So it'd actually be interesting what would be our favourite musicals. Or- but then that means we have to watch them. Anyway, uh, so that's a top four. Yes. Um, they're going to, like I said, they're probably going to change, aren't they? Yeah. Other than the obvious one. Yeah. I imagine our favourites are not going to be those and mm. what we decide on eventually is not are not going to be those either. Well, let's not jump to the conclusions. Well, well, we'll see. Um, you don't know. I mean, maybe I like Ghost Ghost of Mars, Mars a be... lot more than I'm letting on. Yeah. So anyway, let's uh, jump back to the beginning of her back catalogue. Yeah. We'll have a little break and we'll be back in a second. Cool. Right. So first on the list, um, one of her very first roles. Her, uh, it was, this is her first role, isn't it? Big, Big Dollhouse? Well, there was, there's one on here called Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, Fourth Woman. That's yeah, that's not, a named, okay. not even a named part. So yeah, her first role... The Big Dollhouse. Yeah. In 71. I'm a long time woman. And I'm serving my time. I've been locked away so long now. I've forgotten my crime. Been working on the road now. I've been. You didn't watch this one? No. Of the two, um, her first two, like, Women in Prison movies, which are the yeah. same director, a lot of the same cast, basically the same ideas, um, The Big Bird how, the Big Bird Cage and The Big Doll House, mm-hmm. you said, I'll watch one of them. Yeah. And you watched Big Bird Cage. Yeah. Because it had slightly better reviews. Yeah. And I think it's the most, I think actually Big Bird Cage is probably the most fondly remembered of all the Women in Prison movies. Right. Uh, but yeah, I did watch Big Doll House, her first mm-hmm. film. He's got, um, it's her and Sid Haig in Sid Haig's in it, yeah. Mm. This was the first time they met. Um, she'd never been in a film, really. Mm. Her character's just called Greer. Mm. Um, and he sort of helped her, sort of coached her a little bit. Because mm. um, she really didn't know what she was doing. 
like I said, she recorded Long Time Woman mm. as a single. And she, I didn't realize she had ever released a song. That's her only sort of lead single. But she did do backing vocals on a couple of Bobby Womack tracks. Cool. Uh, the songs uh, Communication and Understanding by Bobby Womack feature Pam Greer as backing vocals. That's very cool. But yeah, this is just a woman in prison. It's a prison breakout movie. It's all the women together inside breaking out of prison. And if I remember rightly, because they're all like revolutionaries always come into play in these films. Mm. And they're all filmed in the Philippines, all these early films. Mm-hmm. And this is another one that was. Was it just like they're cheap to make out there or like was it? I, it must be a budget thing because I know that Pam Greer got paid like $500 a week for oh filming God. this. But this is just like women in prison staging a breakout. Right, yeah. That's the story. Cool. And after it, she did The Big Birdcage. Okay. Cool. Which you did watch. Yes. And this was the, f- this is like your ex- your exposure to a woman in prison film. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> it was fine. Yep, lots of money. You stick with me and one of these days you're going to be the first lady of this here republic. You bet your long goody I am. And when I am, I'm going to kick a few asses too. I'll show them society bags how to throw a real presidential bash. Just as soon as we have that revolution you've been promising me. Say, when are we going to have that revolution anyway? Pretty soon. Pretty soon. Yeah, lo- so many um, issues with this. Yeah. <laughs> like the way that the women are treated and like portrayed. Some, um, some dialogue which yeah. is uncomfortable to hear. <laughs> um, but Pam was pretty good in it. She was like basically infiltrating the prison oh, to like yeah, kind of get them out. I was trying to remember what's the difference between this and Big Dollhouse. So Big Dollhouse is then breaking out of prison from the inside. Mm. This is it's her and Sid Haig again. Yeah, and they're like um, the revolutionaries. Yeah, they're breaking the women out from the outside because yeah. they want them to join their forces. Yeah. So that angle is pretty cool. Because they know the women in this prison are like hard as nails, basically. And they're mm. like, we need some of these like badass women. And all the prison guards are gay. Yeah, that's the other thing. Oh, yeah. So it's a, a kind of troubling in its depiction of um, homosexuality yeah. as well. I mean, one. Sig Haig has to like pretend to be gay yeah. to infiltrate the guards. So you can imagine that's very tastefully done. So, because Pam's already in there. Yeah. Um, she's getting p- treated pretty poorly, but she is also kind of like rallying the troops and mm. running the show. She's kind of in like straight off the bat from being like imprisoned, kind of um, in charge. Um, so yeah, Sid kind of works his magic, gets in, and Flirts then they with the other guards to get a, a, yeah. a, a position as a guard himself by pretending to be gay. Yeah, and they both um, help each other. Like join forces, break out. Yeah, there's not much plot to these films. It They're is just also shots of like a couple outside of this. Yes, yeah. Like as their characters are um, like intimately involved. Uh, so yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I wouldn't be rushing to watch it again. It is. It's an such a weird concept. So like the birdcage is just like a massive. So like on the in the prison, like the main guy um, is very um, reminds me of like like kind of some kind of Nazi, right? Like portrayal-esque thing like person uh, and he's got this like contraption called the birdcage and it's yeah. basically just like to grind up uh i can't remember what they're farming but anyway what they're farming either it's just a it's massive just a big contraption. contraption that all the women have to like turn the cogs on and it's yeah. called the big birdcage so it is actually a thing the big and bird they cage. get um 
it's like quite dangerous. It's, yeah, people someone get like crushed in the gears. Yeah, and stuff. trapped or like um, wounded or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that's the namesake of the film. Yeah. So like the Big Doll House, this was filmed in the Philippines. Mm. Like we said they all are because, and they all feature revolutionaries. And there's a lot of there's, Filipino there's, extras. There's a lot of like just crossover in these films. I forget mm. which one's which because they just all have the same elements, just yeah. remixed in different ways. Yeah, yeah. Because it's cheap. They just made them off the back of each other like... Mm. They didn't spend ages like working on these films and like trying to make them that different from each other. But at some point, and I think it was on her next film, mm. Pam contracted a deadly tropical disease oh whilst filming these films in the Philippines. Shit. She nearly died. Uh, she lost her hair. She was blinded for a month. Oh my God. And it took a year for her to recover. And I'm pretty sure this was during the filming of the next one that we watched, Black Mama, White Mama. Right. Oh, my God. Because I've also heard reports like, oh, yeah, she was really ill when she was filming this one. She had a really high fever. And I'm like, okay, well, I know that she got deathly ill um, in the Philippines. So it must have been while they were filming this. Wow. And this is sort of like, so black mama, white mama. Um, yeah. It's her and it's basically a, her and another and a blonde prison another prisoner. They get like handcuffed yeah. together and they have so to escape. So the together. other prisoner is played by Margaret Markov, and yeah, they. It starts as a woman in prison movie, but only for like the first half hour. She okay. So um, the character White Mama is um, <laughs> a revolutionary. Yeah, that's it. That's She's it. imprisoned. Pam is just like a regular person. But they're chained together during... They're chained together move, because of some... Oh, they're fighting, right? Yeah, but I think it's because they don't want her to escape or something. Anyway. For some um, reason, they are handcuffed together. Guess what? They escape. And they escape. Um, and they basically have to like traipse through the jungle attached to one another. Um, they pose as um, nuns to try oh, and like get yeah. on the bus. White Mama um, wants to get back to her revolutionaries, basically, and they're like, yeah, they'll help us, they'll yeah. separate us. And Pam's you can got join a, us or you cannot. Pam's got like a stash of cash on the other side of the island. So mm. they're both trying to go in opposite directions. But they do head towards Hijinks the revolutionaries first. Um, eventually get to them, get out, and then Pam becomes like embroiled in the um, warfare that like ensues. Yeah, and Sid Haig's in this again, surprise, yeah. surprise. He's a bit of a dickhead in this. He's horrible in this, he's gross. Yeah. This was one which I thought sounded really fun. I was like, this is very silly by the sounds of the description. And when we watched it, I was just like, this is it's quite boring. Like, it's you want it to be fun. There's so many, I think it's because there's so, there's a lot of like um, Sig, Sid Haig um, being quite like a horrible yeah, character. Yeah, uncomfortable sex scenes. Yeah, and yeah. there's a lot of... Um, uh, like almost like suggested like rape scenes in it like a few times mm. in this yeah this one left a bad taste in my mouth yeah and I just thought it I thought from the description like it's a product of its time obviously it's called Black Mama White Mama for God's sake um, but I thought it would be more fun and it wasn't very fun mm. but oh um, and the um, prison wardens is a lesbian and she kind of like 
voyeuristically spies on all the... Oh, and like, that was the important point you had to get across. Before we move on, I just need to say... Well, I'm just saying, like, it's, this is, it's all rolled into one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so this is the end of the prison women in prison movies. Yeah. After that, she rolls into the true badass black exploitation era, the big one... Coffee. Coffee. Yeah. Um, and this was tons of fun. so good she's so badass in it yeah this is like what I was expecting from like 70s Pam Grier movies and it wasn't the first one we watched we watched actually these prison movies first and stuff and eventually like okay let's get coffee on yeah let's let's put the coffee on and it was what I wanted it to be I was like mm-hmm. this is what I was wanting yeah so she's like a nurse vigilante what more do you need like that is the log line isn't it yeah um and I think it's her sister isn't it Yes. Yeah. Uh, like a, 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 she's suffering from substance abuse, drugs on the streets, mm-hmm. and and coffee wants to clear the streets of it. So she takes it upon herself to go out at night and try and track down these drug lords and yeah. stuff. Uh, of which Sid Haig is one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the end of your rotten life, you motherfucking dope pusher. <laughs> for him because he really didn't believe it was coming but it ain't gonna be easy for you because you better believe it's coming um but she's also involved in like um she's also like romantically involved with like a local he's like a politician yeah he's like a politician guy yeah he's some kind of um politician guy um spoiler he ends up kind of being involved in all the drug dealing Mm. and stuff and kind of like leaves her for dead um, she's also involved with another guy in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who is it? I don't know. I can't remember the finer details of the plot. Anyway. I was just watching Pam Grier like threaten drug lords and hide razor blades in her afro. Oh yeah, that's a good scene. That was that was Pam's idea actually. That wasn't in the script. She's like, we should put because she has this big afro in it. Yeah. She's like, she should hide weapons in her afro. Oh yeah. So there's a scene where she hides razor blades in it and then gets in a cat fight. Yeah, some and woman the girl tries to slices grab her, her hands head. up on it. Yeah. Yeah. See, I really like this. She it was, was like super badass. It was like what I was expecting from seventies black exploitation films. Yeah. And and I think this is like generally considered one of the best, yeah. if not the best. So we started on the right foot, but this is mm. what I expected from that genre. Yeah. Uh, and obviously it's still mega problematic and stuff, but at least it's like tons of fun with it. Yeah. And this was a real big surprise success for the mm. studio. Um, they wanted more Pam. People loved her in this. And they fast-tracked Foxy Brown, which we haven't actually watched yet. Mm. But Foxy Brown was kind of the follow-up to this in many ways of like... 
Pam Greer just being a badass. From what I can tell, I haven't watched it yet, but it will, we'll come to that when we mm. record the second half. Um, but it's amazing. We saw how low budget like, these are and how quickly cobbled together they are. Yeah. This whole thing was filmed in 18 days. Wow. Isn't that insane? That's crazy. Yeah. Christ. So, yeah, less than three weeks and they've... they've I mean, it doesn't really feel like it. Other films feel like that. Like some of the pre- like older films felt... Yeah, then Women in Prison like, ones just feel yeah. like they're just cobbled together. But this one has like a fun plot and fun yeah. characters and more to it. Yeah. It's just amazing how they can put this together in 18 days. Mm. Um, and like we said, this has a, the soundtrack absolutely slaps. Like yeah. uh, QT just like took a lot of it for Jackie Brown. And she's got a more like varied um, like acting palette. Yeah, because like, she, she gets to be badass and she also gets to be like worried about her sister. Yeah, and, and sincere. She has, these, she has romantic scenes and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so, yeah, she, she is like made mostly just a badass, but she does get some like... A more of a range of characters than the woman in prison movies. Yeah, definitely. This is up there. Yeah. Next, straight off the bat of this is uh, Scream, Black Killer Scream. Scream, Black Killer Scream. Which I did not watch. No, well, I'd already watched Black Killer. Okay. Um, I've, I think we said it on the Keanu podcast. Um, I've watched kind of nearly every adaptation of the Dracula storyline mm. uh, for for stuff relating to my other podcast, but. So I've seen Black Killer, and they tried to sort of get a run of these like horror black exploitation films, right? But they didn't actually prove to be that successful. Mm. So you've got uh, Black Killer, Blackenstein, Crikey, yeah, and Black Killer isn't bad as a horror film for the genre. It's not great, but the guy mm. who plays Mama Walde, Black Killer, is like fun and charismatic. He's kind of got a, very, a voice very similar to Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, who played Dracula, so that makes sense. Yeah. But this sequel, uh, Pam isn't in the original. She's in the sequel. She's like a voodoo woman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's considered one of the worst black exploitation films mm. like ever made. Wow. And it just, I, it's very forgettable. Like, I thought it would be really fun, mm. but I kind of zoned out watching it and it ended up just being on in the background. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Um, it wasn't hugely popular. I think they sort of gave up on these like black exploitation horror movies after this one sort of flopped. Yeah. Um, so it won't be on my list and I haven't really, really got anything to say about it. <laughs> okay. I love Mama Walde, like Blackula as a character. Yeah. I wish they did more f- fun things with him. Right. But this film was a waste. Damn. And Pam doesn't get to do that much in it either. Do you think that's because in this, so this came out in '73? Mm. Um, she was literally like film, film, film on the trot. So yeah, in 1972, like she, she did this four. Time, so they wanted her. And this was her third film of 1973. Oh, wow. So, like, for the for two years, she'd just been like on it. Mm. So maybe the film suffered. Well, they were just churning these films out, they were yeah. so low budget. Yeah. Just and, well, if out. you can do one every fucking two weeks, yeah, crazy, yeah. So that's Scream Black Killer Scream, and mm-hmm. that's where we're going to end it for this half. Um, yeah, to buck trends, we didn't record this first half on a glass of wine or a bottle of wine no. like we normally do. I wonder if you'll hear a difference. Uh, maybe we'll record the second half, yeah, with a bottle of wine nice. to see if that changes the dynamic. <laughs> uh, uh, next, front. when we come back. We'll be talking about Foxy Brown. Yeah, I think we're going to save Foxy Brown for the last one we watched to end on like a more of a banger. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about from Foxy Brown till, well, from then onwards to the rest of her career. And we will also sort of decide on what our favourites were. Cool. Next time. See you in a second. So until then, enjoy this advert and we'll see you in sort of 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready get 30, ready get 20 20, 20 ready get 20 20, ready get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow's furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. But We're back. Hey, we've watched a few more films. We've watched the rest of the ones we're going to watch. Um, and we are not <laughs> recording the second half on a bottle of wine as we wanted to. It's pre-dinner. It's too too busy this week. Yeah. But um, if there is a little bit of background noise, I'm going to apologise now. <laughs> when Becca says it's pre-dinner, I have got a baked ratatouille in the oven right now. So Yeah. Um, but let's, it smells great. <laughs> I'm going to try and remove the background noise, but you might have a small hum every now and then. So, um, we watched this last night, the next one on our list. Yeah, Foxy Brown. We said we'd end with Foxy Brown. Yeah. And we did. great end like that's the last one we watched but it's not the end of this her list so no um what's it about foxy brown so um this is sort of the the follow-up to coffee in many ways Mm. like they fast-tracked this after the popularity of coffee right and it is very much like she's a vigilante like it's the same sort of deal yeah um originally actually it was intended to be a sequel to coffee okay uh called burn coffee burn oh 
But the studio said, no, let me make it its own thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of at the last minute. So they were already like starting filming this. Oh my God. When that change came in. Which is why like she doesn't have a job in this. Right. Because it was supposed to be a continuation of Coffee. So like she was still supposed to be the nurse vigilante. Right. Okay. Yeah. But because they changed it at the last minute, they didn't even have time to write her actual job into the script. So she doesn't have, doesn't have a job in this. You don't know what a job is. I just figured like she had a job, but we just didn't really know. Yeah, and also she kind of gets into this like modelling job, kind of in the middle of it, yeah. for part of like a scheme. And I, I don't know. It's um, you don't need that explanation. No, I didn't. I wasn't there sitting there thinking, what, what's her job? Oh, hang on a sec, that's the oven. <laughs> I have to go and put some parmesan on it. Right, what was I saying? She doesn't have a job. You don't. She doesn't. Need, you don't need to. It's fine. Yeah. So this um, again, like we said, the last one, like filmed. The last one was filmed in eighteen days, I think. I said, mm-hmm. and we were like, "Gosh, quick turnaround." Yeah. This was seventeen days. So yeah. Holy moly! They're considering how much like of a success the first one was. Do you think they'd give them a bit more like time and stuff on this? But you know, rush through in like a year, seventeen days to shoot. That's mad. Um, it feels a bit more um, like it doesn't f- like the last one felt a bit like a little bit rushed, but this one felt a bit more like cohesive. Do you think so? See, I thought I felt like the first one. I was going to say had a like more uh, like cohesive plot, but then maybe this one was like they're both just silly films. Mm. Maybe this one was a bit more intricate, right? Because you had like the undercover cop and then like, the schemes to get back at people. Yeah, and yeah. It was more like there's more characters and it was more of like a, a net, like a web. Yeah, like, it wasn't as like so and so is connected to so and so and stuff. Yeah, and that's saying something when the film starts with a guy getting facial reconstruction surgery to like start a new life after being an undercover cop. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're like this was probably one of the most like violent ones. There was a very uncomfortable sexual assault scene yeah. in this film. Yeah, that was bad. Um there's a lot of like there's quite a lot of like violence and like gory, gritty bits in it. Yeah. The I effects mean, aren't great, but like like the idea and the concept of it is like pretty horrific. There is a section where a man's penis is in a jar. Yeah. His dismembered penis. So that's what you're in for. the idea the rest of your boyfriend is still around and i hope you two live a long time and then maybe you get to feel what i feel death is too easy for you bitch i want you to suffer spoilers that's right at the end but yeah sid haig has his little part in this as usual yeah. i i would say i didn't I forgot enjoy about this. that big it like kind of goes all over the place it goes it? everywhere yeah because he's a pilot or yeah. an aeroplane driver, as he says in the film. Yeah. Um, that, that alone like shows how the script didn't get many rewrites. The um, I didn't enjoy this one as much as Coffee, though. I didn't think... I no. liked the, Coffee was more fun to me. She was, like, pretty badass, but I didn't like any of the characters. Like, none of them were very... Like, you were kind of rooting for her, but she was still a bit of a 
bitchy badass. Like he, in I think, I think the fact that she just like outright kills people was like, oh my god, like a bit shocking. Well, she does in coffee, but she's more empathetic. Like yeah. she's a nurse, and like she, her sisters on like hooked on drugs and mm. she wants to clear drugs, drugs off the street, and she feels remorse when she kills people. Yeah, this, this one was just, just like, yeah, like shooting, shooting the shit, like oh, like everybody. Yeah, she didn't care, which was cool, but like I preferred. Yeah. She had more of a more multi-dimensional character in Coffee. Yeah. So of the two, I preferred Coffee. I know these are the big two of the black exploitation era. Mm. Um, but yeah, after that, watch uh, Bucktown. Which I know you really enjoyed. Yeah, I did like this one. When we was watching it, you were like, this one, the best ones we watched. Yeah, it was really good. Um, I think because it was like, there was quite a good plot, like mm. really. Um, oh, yeah. So like and it her, kind of twists, doesn't it? Like the the plot dra- dramatically changes yeah. like halfway through. So basically, this guy's like brother dies. She's this guy's. Um, She's the widow. Like, yeah, I don't know if they're married though. Anyway, his brother comes back into town, and his brother, like the one who died, had like a club. He kind of tries to like resurrect it. He just yeah. wants to get in and get out, but because of like the state laws or something, he has to stay to like settle the estate. And he's the main character. It's yeah. not Pam. Like it's uh, Fred Williamson playing a guy called Duke. Yeah. And he's the main character. He gets like uh hooked up with Pam Greer's character. Yeah. So Duke has to kind of like wait around in town to settle this aff- this guy's affairs and basically has a run in with like the local cops who are like so shysters, corrupt. yeah. And they're responsible for the death of the they're brother. They're responsible for the death of his brother and they're also responsible they like basically like extort all of the yeah. local businesses and stuff like that so he reopens they're like his... really racist really like corrupt yeah so he's tried to reopen his brother's nightclub to like make Nothing a bit of cash like the real police force right and <laughs> and make like a make a bit of money and also like make it more desirable because he just wants to like sell it but yeah, it's exactly. closed so he opens it back up and then he just like they try to extort him um, and he just runs into trouble. So he calls in some mates from like the big city. Yeah. Um, Starring uh, one of the mates played by Carl Weathers in his first film performance. Nice. I was like, God, what a small role for Carl when he showed up. And I looked up, it's his first role. Little golden nugget playing there. Hambone. <laughs> Amazing. And he's like the most violent of the gang. He's yeah. like the, the, the yeah. uh, what they call it like, when they've got the... Henchman. Yeah, they go, he's like one of the henchmen, but he's like the violent henchman. Yeah. He's always carrying like a shotgun and stuff like that. So the so his, his like basically his best mate he calls him up. So his best mate comes and gives him a hand, and he brings like three henchmen with him, and it just kind of like goes from there. Really, like they just get into like altercations, and um, and yeah, it's quite it violent. Like it's, a, it's, it's like very it's plotted like a western. Yeah, like the outlaws roll into town, take care of the corrupt police force, and then but kind then, of turn corrupt themselves to succumb to the corruption when they take over yeah because they take over the, the police office and, and start Duke's just like oh what what's happening like what have I done kind of yeah. thing so him and Pam team up to take on his old friends yeah because of the monsters they've become yeah it's pretty it, I liked it I knew I thought you liked because the similarities to like a western feel yeah 
is I think what appealed to you. And it's like small town and it's like exactly yeah. the same setting as like a Western would be. You get yeah. like the saloon, which is like the bar, the police station, the jail, like all that stuff. This had a great soundtrack. I mean, there's going to be yeah. a lot of music in this episode because these have so many great soundtracks. They've mm. all got like their own signature song and the Bucktown song was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, like great, like bass line. Mm, super funky. Uh, super fly. <laughs> the language like yeah you dig like, yeah all that, that kind 70s of... hepcat yeah. yeah there's a lot of that in these films um and i love it when yeah when they when his mate comes back to town and he they're just trying to like explain what's happening it's mm. like um i can't remember what they say now but it's so good this was a real like surprise though I, this was one we i just sort of got at the last minute mm. i didn't hear anything about it because we were going to watch sheba baby yeah which is the like almost like the third in the trilogy from the i why well, i was considered with the coffee Mm-hmm. Foxy Brown and Sheba Baby but yeah. I looked online like the reviews aren't that good we didn't have time to watch that many and I was just like let's do Bucktown instead mm. and I actually yeah I I'm glad it. we did yeah I enjoyed it another one I'm glad we watched is um, next one is Friday Foster me too and this so is good. this is not a liked film this doesn't have like a great reputation really? and I thought this was so fun yeah never fear Pam Greer is here. Oh, thank you, Jeeves. And she's running with a heavy crowd. Godfrey Cambridge. A Mars Eartha Kitt. A black goddess come to Earth. Yafit Kodo. She's just all woman. You're my main man. Scatman Crothers. My sister here. Hey, what you doing? Thalmus Rasulala. You've got guts. Hey, what you doing? Ted Lands. Heavy. In Friday Foster. Like, who is Friday? Well, first, I'm a woman. Did you get it out of your skull, Friday, that your life is in danger and that someone is trying to kill you? It's open season on that super sister. And every stud in his brother is out to put her down or shake her up but she don't dig their game delivering the milk fancy there is nothing you have that i want and i don't hustle for nobody hustle you have lost your mind she's everybody's girl friday foster um she's like so um, Pam is the main character in this one. Yes. Like totally. And she's like a magazine photographer. She's so different to her other roles. Yeah. She's like really kind of like cheeky. Fun. And mischievous. And she's like a go-go girl. Yeah. She's like an Austin Powers girl almost. Mm. So good. Um, and she basically like witnesses like an assassination attempt. She's a photographer. Yeah. And yeah, there's like this kind of like conspiracy stuff going on. And yeah. she's just like, yeah, t- taking opportunities to like dig up the dirt. It's stuff. really fun. It's like a cheeky tone to it. Mm. Uh, and like, there's, there's guys in the neighborhood all like 
have a crush on her. Yeah. And then like come to her door with presents and stuff. It's got Carl Weathers on it in it again. She's sort of like again he's sort of on the other on the uh part of the whole what's the I can't remember what's going on, like I always just think of these goodies and baddies. The other guy's in it as well. The guy who plays Duke's best mate. He was in it. I yeah. thought I recognised him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we watched um, Friday Foster kind of like... A, a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was kind of at the beginning. Yeah, and I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this. I thought it was really fun. It's got like really fun people in the ca- in the cast. Eartha Kitt's in it, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, Eartha Kitt, Pam Greer, Carl The original Weathers. Catwoman. Yeah. So. Um, a super fun cast and really good fun, like fun to watch film. It was based on a comic strip. Oh, that's cool. So it's cool. kind of got that fun tone to yeah, it. Yeah, definitely that. like comes through, mm. I think, because it's more, it's quite like punchy and yeah, the um, pacing's really good, isn't it? Yeah. So I love this one. Cool. Uh, the next one you didn't watch. Right. Uh, I know you wanted to. Yeah. Greased Lightning. Greased Lightning. Yeah, I did want to watch this. Yeah, this was... How did you I, find it? I couldn't find it to watch anywhere for us. Mm. Um, I couldn't find it on any streaming services. I couldn't find the DVD anywhere. Mm. Couldn't find it on um, other websites where you might find films. But eventually, I found it on... Someone had uploaded it on Daily Motion in two parts. Mm. So it was like two 45-minute things. And I couldn't get Daily Motion to work on the telly. So I just watched it on my laptop while I was painting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually think you would have enjoyed this. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of up my street a little yeah, bit, which I'm so sad about. So I might have to go back and watch this She one. hasn't got like the major role in this. Right. She is like... It's a cool story though, right? Because it's all about um, like black stock car racers. Yes, so it's a, it's a biopic. It's um, about... Uh, oh, I love name? a good historical biopic. Yeah, Wendell Scott. It's a, it's a biopic about Wendell Scott, who was the first uh, black driver to win a NASCAR race, a prominent NASCAR race. Cool. And he's played by Richard Pryor. Yeah. So it's kind of got like a fun cast here anyway. Yeah. Um, and it is just him like kind of trying to get accepted into this, the world of like NASCAR and stock car racing mm. and, you know, them shitting on him because he's black and then him be actually being the best driver. Mm. Um, and, and Pam's like his wife in it and she's just sort of like, oh, be careful, that sort of thing. Mm. So he doesn't get that much to do. She's got a bit... Not her usual, like, sassy character then. Yeah, but it is good. And the interesting thing about this is that this is where Richard Pryor and Pam Graham met. And they got into a relationship after this film. They were engaged to be married. They were together for years. Wow. Um, And this is really tragic. The day before their wedding, Richard Pryor eloped with another woman (gasps) and broke Pam's heart. Oh, my God. Because I, I thought it was like a rumour. I was like, oh, were they like a thing? I think that was like a thing. Like, oh, I think they were seeing each other for a bit. Sort of like one of them celebrity rumours. And I looked it up and it's like, no, they were like supposed to be married. And he like ran off with another woman. My mouth is agape. Yeah. But Holy shit. that aside, fun film, not like a starring role for Pam, but like a fun film anyway. And this is a bit like Friday Foster. Like this is not a well-loved film, but I looked mm. it up. So maybe I've got different tastes to these like cinema classics <laughs> people, but I liked Friday Foster and I liked Grease Lightning and I know mm. they're like considered kind of not yeah. amazing films. So, um, okay, so the next one is Fort Apache, The Bronx. Yes. With one is of my faves, Paul Newman. Paul Newman, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is this before or after she did Above the Law? When, oh, this has got to be way before, isn't it? Yeah, it's before, yeah. yeah. It's like, ooh, like seven years before. Oh, right. So it's way before. Yeah. So Fort Apache, the Bronx, uh, 81. Yes. 
So basically, it kind of follows Paul Newman's character. Actually, he's like the main character. Yeah, and it's, um, it's, it's about a police station. Like yeah, Fort Apache is the nickname for a police station. Yeah, they call them precincts, don't they? Mm. And it's in like a really rough area. It's the Bronx. Um, yeah, which was at the time like seriously like hub of crime. Yeah, and actually, I think at the time it even has like a statement about mm. the way the Bronx is depicted because Wild the West. residents of the Bronx were kind of unhappy with the depiction of yeah. how crime-ridden it made it look. Mm. But they were like, we're just trying to show the real... Real, gritty. Like, yeah. day-to-day life of cops trying to keep Hoarder in a really mm. crime-ridden area. Yeah. Um, it was pretty, like... Yeah, it was, it was pretty... It was really raw, raw. Yeah. yeah. But I like that, actually. I really like that. And I liked the contrast between how raw the environment was and how kind of, like, upbeat Paul Newman's character was. He was really quite like um positive and optimistic and well, he'd seen it all he was yeah. one of those guys he's been in the game a long time yeah but he was also becoming very disillusioned how corrupt yeah. the police force was becoming and there's a lot of it's about police corruption yeah so but he was fairly down to earth i liked his character a lot yeah he was like he, an old... he didn't want to put up with the police corruption with the stuff he was seeing like he was just like this isn't right yeah so he did go against the grain a little bit. But it basically follows him and some stuff. And he, um, Pam Greer's character's really not in it, like, a great deal. She, she kind has, of interweaves, yeah, like, Yeah, she's got a it. minor character that has, like, a major thread going through. Yeah. Um, she's a prostitute. Yeah. And the film opens, like, with a bang. Like, she's a prostitute and guns down two coppers in their car. Yeah. Like, that is how the film opens. You uh, been partying, baby? Shit, I've been partying all the time. <laughs> I'm a party girl. Well, party on home, baby. Take a little rest. Shit, not rest. <laughs> I don't need no rest. I'm on the case, you know? <laughs> Y'all want to come party with me? Uh, no, not now, baby. I got some fine for New York's finest. <laughs> well, uh, we're on the job. Yeah, I'm on my J-O-B, too. Just like you. Shit, an important job. Y'all just take a look at this. And she's kind of... um She kind of runs into Paul Newman's character a couple of times, but... Mm. Yeah, so, so she has like a minor plot. It's like a little side plot that's going mm. on. You keep thinking her and Paul Newman are going to really cross paths. They do minorly, mm. but you think, oh. I thought uh, there was like, going to be more of it, yeah, like, because it was building and building and building. She's a murderer. She's yeah. a drug addict. Like, she kills multiple people throughout this film. Yeah. And you keep thinking, oh, he's going to track it down. But I think the point is, like, there's so much crime that just goes by the wayside. And she's almost like the representation of this right, criminal yeah, side yeah. that's not even getting uncovered. Yeah. Um, so I really I did like this film it was good it hmm. was interesting to see um, this is like one of the first films um, I'd seen that like depicts like the Bronx in that era and I didn't hmm. really know a lot about it so that was really interesting to me like finding out what it was like to live there kind of and it really shows how like yeah there's this real there isn't like a side to take there's yeah. like oh there's all this crime going on but then they're not improving the neighborhood but then you know the cops aren't doing all they can because they're completely corrupt and, and they're, they're not just equipped. making it worse yeah yeah one they're not equipped and even if they were like the people on the force are like completely corrupt yeah 
and they're not except for doing a few like diamonds in the rough like Paul Newman's character but he's just like he there's nothing I can do though. yeah he's like I, ca- I can't I don't blame no him win- like it's... there's no winning on this I don't want to be on the he's between team. a rock and a hard place yeah. so um it's the hopelessness of that sort of yeah. it's the hopelessness of like that sort of situation like mm. no- there's nothing good there's no good change coming mm. so yeah in despite film. of this I liked it yeah because you did, like Paul Newman's character, you were rooting for him and he was like a good egg. Um, like you said, like despite being surrounded by all the shit. Hmm. So, um, and it's Paul Newman. Yeah, I love that. He's great. So she had a, a small role in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah. Which we didn't rewatch and you didn't actually watch. Uh, <laughs> no, after, I didn't rewatch. Since our last one when you watched Excellent Adventure, you were like, oh, I'm going to rewatch Bogus Journey. No, I've been so busy. Yeah. <laughs> But she has a small role. If I remember rightly from the last time I watched this, they're like trying to enter Battle of the Bands and she's like in charge of organising that Battle of the Bands. I don't mm. think she's their agent. Maybe she is, but she's like trying to organise Battle of the Bands and she's like, you know, you guys suck. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to convince her. So she's the person in charge of the Battle of the Bands, which is the big thing in that film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fun. Like I put a little clip from it here. Like there's a fun interaction between yeah. her and her and the guys. Mm. You keep telling me you're going to be the greatest band in the world, but you stink. Yeah. We don't understand it either. I mean, I mean, you, you can't sing. I mean, the girls, they can play, but you guys? Girls mature faster than guys. Plus, they started in the 15th century. What do you mean? Well, they're from medieval England. Ted, shut up. Uh, medieval England... Iowa. Guys, the point is the Battle of the Bands is the biggest event for new groups in the area. I mean, we're, we're talking about a $25,000 first prize, a, a two-year record deal, and a chance to be seen by the most important people in the business. I mean, we've even got live coverage on Channel 12. I, now, if you were me, would you put you guys on? No, no way. way. However, since you guys do work for pretzels and cheese, I'm gonna give you a shot. Excellent! <laughs> Last midnight. Probably by that time everyone will be gone home. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, uh, we're used to that. Yeah, we fully cleaned out Ted's little brother's junior high school dance. <laughs> they totally turned on the bomb while he was playing his solo. Shut up, Ted. Guys, do yourself a favor. Prepare a little. Work on your act. I mean, think of something. Don't worry, Miss Wardrobe. We won't let you down. And then um, we watched the next instalment in the uh, Snake Plissken. Well, it's the it is the it's the second, isn't it? Like yeah. it's the it's the, well it's the middle it's the secret middle chapter if you include Ghosts of Mars. <laughs> mm, 50, but yeah, this 50. is when um, John Carpenter decided to revive the Snake Plissken character. Now you have to say it properly. The uh, Snake Plissken. That's no, that's not good. <laughs> Snake Plissken. Yeah, that's better. Um, to revive that character but he took it in a direction that really displeased fans right. and Escape from New York uh, which I we actually only watched for the first time fairly recently yeah which is kind really, of in preparation it for does this. hold up like it is a fun gritty action movie yeah it's totally ridiculous but great at but the same fun, time yeah but like gritty and fun yeah this is like they push the ridiculousness and I actually didn't mind it like I, know I thought it was fine it. I think um, I think the excuse that it's like LA yes. did it like loads of favours it means they could be like a lot more like wacky um, it's like a parody of the first film in the way that LA is like a parody yeah. of itself like it really it leans into the fact that this is LA and everything's ridiculous in LA yeah. compared to New York mm. which is like more gritty 
But um, I, I kind of, I thought it was really cool and subversive how like bonkers he was willing to go with his own franchise and just yeah. like, let's make this ridiculous. There's ridiculous effects, ridiculous characters. Well, talking of ridiculous characters, go on. Pam's character doesn't come into it until the like last, quite late. The last, like she is the, a major character for the last fifth of the film. I love her they, like, character. Team up. She's like ridiculously like over the top like. Well, he meets her and he knows he's looking for Carjack, who's yeah. a guy he used to run with, like an old criminal who like did him dirty. Yeah. And when he meets Carjack, Carjack is now Hershey. Yeah. Hershey, who played by Pam Grier. Hershey so, Las Palmas. Yeah, Carjack has had a sex change since they've known, and mm. it's it's Pam Grier playing. A man who's had a sex change. Yeah. Um, so With they gigantic dreads that are like... Yeah, like colorful. really fun character. Like yeah. really bonkers, out, like fun, outrageous yeah. character. And, and they lower her voice, don't they? So yeah, it sounds like, like really... It's like slightly deepened her voice. It sounds a bit like robotic. You could say like, oh, maybe this is like kind of like insensitive in this day and age. But I think it's such a ludicrous character. Yeah that it totally gets away with it and the film is ludicrous anyway. Yeah. It's um, kind of like, it's kind of almost, it's just part of the weird stuff that happens in it. Just like the ridiculousness of it. things to hold up and what don't, because, you know, obviously that sort of, you know, trans rights and stuff, especially in this day and age, is like quite a touchy subject. Yeah. But like, and in the way, like, I can't imagine revisiting Ace Ventura, mm. the way that ending is handled, I, I think would make me very uncomfortable to watch yeah. today. That's kind of gross. I don't know why this didn't feel gross to me. This just kind of felt fun. I think because it's like the whole film's just like a feel good. Because it's ridiculous, yeah. And if Ace Ventura isn't ridiculous. Ace Ventura doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> no, this, I don't know. There was something fun about it. But if it offends you, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Pam Greer's walking around with a sock in her pants when yeah. they filmed it, apparently. Oh, really? So, I don't know. Like, you may deem it as insensitive. It's up to you. Um... I just found it kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Um, but I, I, I like Escape from LA. Like not many people do. Most people think this is yeah. like a terrible, terrible. I just thought it was. It made me laugh all the way through. Like yeah. it's so campy, and I just love the balls of John Carpenter to be like, "Let's do this." Yeah. So yeah, that's a good watch. So you watched In Too Deep. Yeah, you didn't fancy it. Mm, no. So I watched it alone. Um, I thought it would be like a fun cop movie it's like undercover cop thing Mm -hmm. and it was just a bit more po-faced than i was expecting i was thinking something akin to like uh what's the ridiculous go on martin is it martin lawrence movie blue streak i thought it was gonna be something really (laughs) stupid i was like i'll shove something (laughs) stupid on the background but this wasn't it was like more gritty and serious and it's just basically about a guy you didn't get that from the font no, I didn't. It's very 90s looking, isn't it? <laughs> it's terrible. Um, it's about a guy who is a, a cop, and but he has like a past where he's like run a street gang, so he knows how to get in there. So he's, right. he's like, I want to be an undercover cop. I will be the best in the biz. Mm-hmm. And then he gets in too deep. It's hard mm-hmm. for him to separate. They're, he, they're like, they want to pull him out. Um, but he's like, no, 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 just let me keep going. Let me keep going. I'm like getting in with right. the head guy, this guy called God. Mm. Um He's getting in with the head guy and it's all about him trying to take this guy down and trying right. to juggle a relationship when she knows and she finds out he's an undercover cop and stuff like that. And it was just very kind of po-faced and forgettable. Does Pam play the 
like girlfriendy? No, oh. um, she's um, he's like well, his handler is like played by Stanley Tucci, right? And she's like one of the other handlers. She's like the guy who does like a lot of the surveillance stuff. Oh, weird. So she doesn't pop up that much. Quite a small part then. Yeah. yeah. She's almost just like, you know, oh, you're taking it too far. And like, we'll get up in his face and tell him that he needs to like back off and stuff like that every now and then. Hmm. So she gets to be like a sassy badass, but she's on the cops side this time. Right. Yeah. Worth and, a yeah. watch? No, oh, not no. really. Cool. I didn't think, I didn't love it. Right. Let's talk about um, Larry Crown then. Well, I only just noticed this when we was going through the films now. Like, this is a film we watched, mm. the Tom Hanks one. But I don't remember Pam being in it. No, me neither. So, <laughs> maybe it's not a very big role. Um, so, we have watched it. But the fact that I don't remember her being in it makes Oh, there like she her, is. Her role is pretty small. Come here. Do you remember it from this picture? Kind of, yeah. Like, this is the role I thought it was her. It was a few years ago we watched this, though doesn't say what she plays. She's just like a friend. Like, it's a very small part. Mm. But, yeah. Anyway, not a big enough part to be seriously considered anyway. Yeah. And that's the most recent film we watched. She's done stuff since then, but a lot of it is TV. Like, she's in a a long-running TV series at the moment. She does some voice work as well, so... Yeah. So, like, notable, like, leading roles that aren't, like, TV roles. I think we're kind of up to date with the ones Mm. that we were going to watch. So I so, guess we'll there you take go. A There's break, our rundown. Take a break, come back, and talk about our top fours. Mm-hmm. Cool. Let's do it. We're back. Who want, do you want to go first? Shall I go first? I can't remember who went first last time. I'll go first. It's my choice anyway. Uh, are you went first last time? But yeah, okay. Um, you can go first again. Right. Uh, so this is our top four. These are no my top four order. in no right. particular order. Okay. Jackie Brown. Yeah. Coffee. Yeah. Bucktown Ooh. and Friday Foster. Mm. Is it Foster or Foster? Foster. Friday Foster. So there's my my personal top four fave Pam Greer films. Cool. Were they pretty obvious? No, yeah, not yeah. surprised at all. <laughs> there was one that I thought you were going to have in there. Oh, yeah? I actually thought you were going to have the same four as me, but then I forgot that you liked Bucktown a lot. What was the other one you thought I was going to like? Well, you'll see because it's on my list. Right, go on then. So I thought we were going to have the same list. Um, so I've also got coffee. Yeah. Friday Foster. Yeah. And Jackie Brown. Yeah. And I, I put Above the Law in there. Okay. Yeah, because it's a bit, it's sort of the era between the mm. Jackie Brown and the 70s. And I know that she really liked this role. And it's not a masterpiece or anything, but it, it is like a fun 80s action movie. Yeah. Uh, and she gets to have like a bit, like a varied role in it. So um, interesting. Yeah. So what are we saying? So that was really quick and easy. Her known fours currently, as we've said um, many times in the show, were Above the Law, mm. Jackie Brown, Mars Attacks, and Escape, uh, Ghosts of Mars. I was yeah. going to say Escape from Mars. I'm so good in my head that I should have been Escape from Mars now. Um, so, so I'm going to say on behalf of both of us, kick both of those Mars movies out, yeah? Yeah, um, definitely. And Jackie's They're definitely gone. in. Yeah, Jackie, Jackie is. Like, Jackie's in. Yeah. And Coffee's in. Yeah. And... We both liked Friday Foster a lot. Yeah, I'm and I torn think it's between so that. Fun. Go on. Right, so my my potentials, I've got five. I've got five. Okay. So what are your probably, what are the ones you're thinking of? So obviously Jackie Brown. Yeah. Um, coffee. Yeah. And then the other ones are Above the Law yeah. as a possible, Foxy Brown as a possible, right. and Friday Foster as a possible. They are exactly the yeah. five I thought. It's tough, isn't it? See, I think just for variety's sake. The four I was leaning on 
where actually were obviously the four I chose as mine. Above the Law, Jackie Brown, Coffee and Friday Foster. Mm. Just because Foxy, Foxy Brown is, is a little similar bit similar to, to Coffee, Coffee, yeah. But Jackie Brown is like a homage to the 70s films. Yeah. Coffee is her best 70s film. Right. Friday so Foster is twice. like something different from yeah. that era. Yeah, yeah. And then Above the Law is sort of that, it's the 80s badass sidekick and she's, role that she does. Yeah, she's it's different in that again. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's go with that. Wow, that was the easiest wrap-up we've ever done. So let's just confirm. Oh, hang then. on a second. Oh. My top four are also the known fours. Oh, Have you ever had that before? Where like one of our choices is literally just what we go for? Insert tiny bell trumpet. Da, 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 da. So just to confirm then. Yes. Our four known fours. Are we doing our, our, my favourites? Or are we doing no, no, ones? just do the, like, we're changing it. Okay, so we're changing it too. Jackie Brown. Above the law. Coffee. And Friday Foster. Yeah, and I would say those four are worth a watch. Yeah, definitely. If you really want a good, good if you want a good like example of like the her different roles, mm-hmm. I think that gives like a good example. Great soundtracks in all of these. Oh, so many good soundtracks in these movies. I feel like we need like a Spotify known for Spotify playlist for this, because I would just listen to it on repeat. Anyway, that's by the by. So, um next time. Mm-hmm. We already said that we're doing Denzel Washington. Yeah, and that's your choice. Yeah, that was my choice. And that was purely because I know he's a great actor, but I just haven't seen him in much stuff. Mm-hmm. So I obviously really appreciate any suggestions for films that you'd recommend. Mm-hmm. We have started, but only just. We've done like two films. So we've just started. We've got yeah. plenty of time to get in there with suggestions. Mm-hmm. And you so want... who's your actress then? Well, my next actress. So I changed this last minute. I had someone in mind for so long mm-hmm. who I was going to do. And I, I've delayed them till next time round because... They've got a film coming out. They've got they? a film coming out this year, which I feel like may be interesting to watch and talk about. Mm-hmm. So once that Gotta was announced, I was like, oh, I'm going to hold that person back. So at the last... And this was a real last minute. So I was like, okay, who, who else can I pick? Yeah. And I feel like this choice is a little bit like the Keanu choice mm. in the way in which this is someone who can be perceived as quite wooden. But when they're on it, they are like bang on it. Okay. And they've got some awesome films. I'm so films. nervous and excited to know what it is. Go. And they've, they've also been in many franchises like Keanu has. And they've been in some awesome, awesome films. Natalie Portman. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, when you were like, they're kind of wooden. I was like, who? And then now you've said it. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like she's very obvious when her heart's not in it. Mm. Like Because when she's in a good film, like she's great. Yeah. Like when she's her heart's in it, like she's really good. Yeah. And then yeah, you can see when her heart's not really in it so much. And oh, she's exciting. been in films since she was a kid. Like she was in Leon. There's a lot. I'd love to rewatch Leon. Let's do that. Yeah, there's so I already looked for it. Uh, there's some great films, but I don't know what her known fours are. So you just tell me now what her top four films are on IMDb. So Natalie Portman's current known four on IMDb are Black Swan. Yes, of course. That's her Oscar winning film. V for Vendetta. Oh, I forgot she was even in it. Yeah, great. I love that film. <laughs> Leon. So good. And Closer. Closer, I've never seen. No, me neither. No, I'm aware of it, but I've never seen it. That's Ryan um, Gosling's in that with her, I think. It looks like... Um, if it's the one I'm thinking of. So it is Natalie Portman, Jude Law. Jude Law. Julie Roberts and Clive Owen. Oh, right. It's not the film I'm thinking of. As well as a few other people. I'm thinking of something completely different. I'm thinking of Crazy Stupid Love. I've never seen this. It's got 7.2. 
Okay. okay, I've never seen that either. So anyway, so that's my next, that's my choice after. So we've got Denzel and then Natalie Portman. I think that's going to be a, a good couple of months. Amazing. Um, so if you want to suggest some Natalie Portman films as well. Yeah. Or some Denzel films or get in touch or say anything, say hi. You can do so at, what's the email? Uh, Name for pod at gmail.com. Yeah, you can say it with a bit more surety. You should know what it is by now. <laughs> and or you can go and contact via the website, which is? Name for pod.com. Yes. And you can find me on Twitter at, at Bob Shoy. That's at B-O-B-S-H-O-Y, which is my name. And uh, you can also <laughs> Don't go wear to, out. Yeah, you can go to Bandcamp, uh, which is bobshoy.bandcamp.com by extra episodes of Four and One More. There's some really fun ones on there. And you can support my time editing and recording this as well as my other podcasts at patreon.com slash bobshoy. Yep. B-O-B-S-H-O-Y. <laughs> That's my name. B-O-B-S-H-O-Y. Um so I think that's it. Yeah, that is it. Yeah. So until thanks next for listening. Time, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for listening. And yeah, Denzel next time. And are we are we do another four and one more between? I can't remember where we are. Maybe uh, we've got a topic planned for the next four and one more whenever that comes. Cool. Keep your ear to the ground. Oh, yeah. Perfect. So we're going to go and eat some ratatouille. Pun because I haven't. Oh, I don't know no. enough of Denzel Washington films to bring up a reference for Denzel Washington. God damn. So until next time, you know. Denzel, you later. I don't know. Oh. Thanks for listening. And now um, the buzzer just went off, so we're going to go and eat some ratatouille. Yeah, it's smelling good. Cut. And uh, we're going to go watch a Denzel film now. Cut. Bye. <laughs> this is the end of your rotten life, you motherfucking dope pusher. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.